0: Chapter Nine of Philip Drew, Administrator, by Edward House. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by The Progressing America Project. Chapter Nine Philip Begins a New Career. After sifting the offers made him, Philip finally accepted two one from a large New York daily that syndicated throughout the country, and one from a widely read magazine, to contribute a series of twelve articles. Both the newspaper and the magazine wished to dictate the subject matter about which he was to write, but he insisted upon the widest latitude. The sum paid, and to be paid, seemed to him out of proportion to the service rendered, but he failed to take into account the value of the advertising to those who had secured the use of his pen. He accepted the offers not alone because he must do something for a livelihood, but largely for the good he thought he might do the cause to which he was enlisted. He determined to write upon social subjects only, though he knew that this would be a disappointment to his publishers. He wanted to write an article or two before he began his permanent work, for if he wrote successfully he thought it would add to his influence. So he began immediately, and finished his first contribution to the syndicate newspapers in time for them to use it the following Sunday. He told, in a simple way, the story of the Turners. In conclusion... HE SAID THE RICH AND THE WELL-TO-DO WERE AS A RULE CHARITABLE ENOUGH WHEN DISTRESS CAME TO THEIR DOORS, BUT THE TROUBLE WAS THAT THEY WERE UNWILLING TO SEEK IT OUT. THEY KNEW THAT IT EXISTED, BUT THEY WANTED TO COME IN TOUCH WITH IT AS LITTLE AS POSSIBLE. THEY SMOTHERED THEIR CONSCIENCES WITH THE THOUGHT THAT THERE WERE ORGANIZED SOCIETIES AND OTHER MEDIUMS THROUGH WHICH ALL POVERTY WAS REACHED, AND TO THESE THEY GAVE. THEY KNEW THAT THIS WAS NOT LITERALLY TRUE, but it served to make them think less badly of themselves. In a direct and forceful manner, he pointed out that our civilization was fundamentally wrong inasmuch as, among other things, it restricted efficiency; that if society were properly organized, there would be none who were not sufficiently clothed and fed; that the laws, habits, and ethical training in vogue were alike responsible for the inequalities in opportunity and the consequent wide difference between the few and the many, that the result of such conditions was to render inefficient a large part of the population, the percentage differing in each country in the ratio that education and enlightened and unselfish laws bore to ignorance, bigotry, and selfish laws. But little progress, he said, had been made in the early centuries for the reason that opportunity had been confined to a few, and it was only recently that any considerable part of the world's population had been in a position to become efficient and mark the result. Therefore, he argued, as an economical proposition, divorced from the realm of ethics, the far-sighted statesman of tomorrow, if not of today, will labor to the end that every child born of woman, may have an opportunity to accomplish that for which it is best fitted. Their bodies will be properly clothed and fed at the minimum amount of exertion, so that life may mean something more than a mere struggle for existence. Humanity as a whole will then be able to do its share towards the conquest of the complex forces of nature, and there will be brought about an intellectual and spiritual quickening that will make our civilization of today seem as crude, as selfish, and as illogical as that of the Dark Ages seem now to us. Philip's article was widely read and was the subject of much comment, favorable and otherwise. There were the ever-ready few, who want to remake the world in a day, that objected to its moderation, and there were his more numerous critics who hold that to those that have, more should be given these considered his doctrine dangerous to the general welfare meaning their own welfare but upon the greater number it made a profound impression and it awakened many a sleeping conscience as was shown by the hundreds of letters which he received from all parts of the country all this was a tremendous encouragement to the young social worker for the letters he received showed him that he had a definite public to address whom he might lead if he could keep his medium for a time at least. Naturally, the publishers of the newspaper and magazine for which he wrote understood this, but they also understood that it was usually possible to control intractable writers after they had acquired a taste for publicity, and their attitude was for a time being one of general enthusiasm and liberality tempered by such trivial attempts at control as had already been made. No sooner had he seen the first story in print than he began formulating his ideas for a second. This, he planned, would be a companion piece to that of the Turners which was typical of the Native American family driven to the East Side by the inevitable workings of the social order, and would take up the problem of the foreigner immigrating to this country and its effect upon our national life. In this second article he incorporated the story of the Levinskys as being fairly representative of the problem he wished to treat. In preparing these articles, Philip had used his eyes for the first time in such work, and he was pleased to find no harm came of it. The oculist still cautioned moderation, but otherwise dismissed him as fully recovered. End of chapter 9